Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. I see a lot of tech leaders kind of get stuck on diversity and team building. I think they know they should do it, but they're not necessarily sure why it's important. And so I think to truly build a diverse team, you really need everybody bought in. And doing that requires telling them why they should be invested in it. And so I think a lot of us are missing the why behind that. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Frondozo. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. My guest today is Libby Maurer. She is the VP of User Experience at HubSpot, which is a leading growth platform with thousands of customers around the world. They develop software products for inbound marketing and sales. Libby, she leads the organization's user experience practice with a vision for driving user-centered design with data. In our conversation, Libby shares how HubSpot is helping businesses grow by giving their client a complete picture of their customer's journey. She discusses the challenges that she had to overcome when she was faced with an opportunity, an opportunity to build her very first user experience team. She talks about the importance of building a diverse team within an organization. And lastly, she shares some of her best advice about career paths for aspiring business leaders. Today's Business Leadership Podcast is sponsored by TrueShield Insurance. As a proud supporter of Canadian startups and entrepreneurs, TrueShield offers solutions that help protect you from the risks you may face today, tomorrow, or down the road. TrueShield knows small business. Learn more at trueshield.ca. And with that, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Libby. Well, thank you, Edwin. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us today to share your journey. Really excited to learn about you, your experiences, and everything you've been up to. But why don't we start off by introducing yourself to our listeners today, Libby. Maybe tell us who you are and what you like to do when you're not growing, leading um, businesses. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, I'm from the Midwest. um, And so I had a very kind of traditional Midwest upbringing, I would say there grew up on a farm, um, have a lot of family back there still. Um, Now I'm based in Boston. And I guess most recently, I I just finished graduate school. Um, And so the question about what I do in my free time is funny, because I'm just sort of revisiting what that is. what I used to like to do in my free time. Um, But uh, I'll say I'm very active in the yoga community. I I practice yoga religiously. um, And then I spend a lot of time traveling also. I like to get out there in the world. Um, And, you know, I'm realizing after graduate school, my weekends are so sacred. So I'm just trying to savor every single moment and really unplug and kind of slow my life down. I mean, I mean that's that's really important for us, especially professionals. But that that's actually kind of funny in terms of the transition that you're going through, and I guess rediscovering all this this free time. And I don't know how much time we're talking about, but 
Like, what do you, outside of your yoga practice, like, what is there some interest that you're looking into now or something maybe that you you thought of doing in the past and you're like, okay, maybe it's time to do that? Certainly, yeah. You know, volunteering is one of them. I have to say that's something that I had to deliberately kind of drop off of my um, my priority list while I was being a full-time employee and also in graduate school. Um, and, you know, within that kind of volunteer space, I think one of my big passions is mentoring young people, especially mentoring young women um, who are looking to build their careers in the tech industry. So um, I'm involved in a couple organizations right now and just kind of figuring where I can best spend my time um, and, and, and help people figure out how to kind of forge a path for themselves um, in, in a way that kind of helps leverage the lessons that I've learned along my path and hopefully help make it a little bit easier for other people. Oh, that's amazing. So this is something that it sounds like Libby, you were doing in the past or really thought about doing. And now given, given work, the position you've done in your career and everything you're doing is, is really trying to provide that support um, to younger individuals, I guess, specifically young, younger women who are looking to forge a forge a career within the tech space, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think um, as I look back and reflect on my career so far, my path has not been linear um, in any way, shape or form. Um, And I, I actually think when I was younger, I had a lot of imposter syndrome and kind of fear around that. You know, I had this perception that most people have, you know, like a very much like a start from A and end up in, you know, E kind of linear path. And the, the further I get and the more experience I have, the more I realize that's just not true of, of a lot of people. And I want to help young people understand that and also help them understand how to look at the skills and experience that they have and package that up um, and tell a story about themselves that is is really compelling and, and unique to them. Um, and I think I get a lot of joy out of doing that. And, you know, I've done it for myself a couple of times in my own career. So I think I have a lot to give back. Well, that's great. And we'll definitely try to get more into mentorship and, you know, um, how that worked out within your career. But let's, I guess, jump into your full-time day job, Libby. Um, If you could tell us, I guess, share with us your organization, HubSpot, um, for those who may not know um, who and what they do, and tell us what your specific role is uh, at the company at this point. Yeah. So, you know, at HubSpot, our mission is to help companies all over the world grow better, essentially, by using our software platform. Um, And that platform really supports their businesses by giving giving them a complete picture um, of their customer's journey from lead to prospect and then to customer. And so what I love about HubSpot um, is that it's more than just software it's really fueled by a philosophy, this kind of idea that we call inbound. Um, And sort of like the nuts and bolts of that is that we believe when businesses attract buyers and provide value in the form of educational content first, that ultimately drives sales. Um, And so really when a lead engages with that content, all of that is tracked in our platform, our CRM. Um, and that gives sales teams complete visibility into that leads engagement. Um, and so we're not just offering really powerful tools for small and medium-sized businesses. We're also educating them about 
really how to run their marketing and sales and support operations to really bolster their company's growth. Um, And so that's kind of HubSpot, the idea, and then our platform in a nutshell. I think the other cool thing about HubSpot is our entire business is run on our platform. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a very meta way, we're gaining this really incredible insight into what it's like to build a product for a company that's gone from startup to scale up to enterprise. And I, I guess another thing about HubSpot, we're, we're based in Boston, Massachusetts. We have offices all over the world, um, rapidly growing tech company. We've got a very, very solid, inclusive culture that I'm very proud to be a part of. Um, we believe in building diverse teams. Um, and I certainly do. That's something that I practice leading my own team. And I guess within, within that, um, my role here specifically is leading our user experience team. And I guess in a nutshell, our job is to really create the experience that our customers have when they use the platform. Um, and what that means uh, is that every single screen or interaction that a customer takes with our product has been crafted by somebody on my team. And that is an exceptionally fascinating process that requires a lot of data, um, a ton of iteration and cycles, a lot of collaboration with a lot of people, um, and a real command of human behavior. And I think it's just such a fascinating process that I don't think many people realize really what goes into well-crafted, intuitive software design. Yeah. Yeah, no, amazing. And uh, I, I totally know the HubSpot brand being in technology as well. Two things, um, Libby, and it was really interesting in, in talking about being meta and being your <laughs> own customer. <laughs> I was thinking as you said that and wondering, would, Hubs- would, would HubSpot be the best customer for HubSpot? Like, is this, like who works on the HubSpot account? Yeah, it, it's a fantastic question. And I think we're, we're trying to figure that out. Um, you know, a large percent of, percent of our customer base um, is, is SaaS businesses. So software as a service, which is, mm-hmm. which is what HubSpot is. So by percentage of our customer base, you know, I would say I think we are a good, a good customer of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I think that we are, the complexity of, you know, our internal operating system is pretty it's it, it's pretty remarkable um and so i think that's that's one of the questions that we we are trying to answer is to what extent does that mirror our our own customers complexity um but certainly we learn things every single day about how our business operates um that we incorporate into our software and that's that's pretty that's a pretty pretty neat experience yeah no that's that's really cool and i just you know for the sake of some of the listeners who may be hearing the term user experience for the first time. And I know you did a pretty good job in terms of mentioning that every screen you touch, every onboarding for those, and maybe you have a better description, um, you know, being immersed in this world. But to me, the user experience is for those out there who's ever onboarded themselves or signed up to Facebook, like how easy was that, right? And that was someone who probably could have been on your team who had designed some some sort of that type of onboarding. Is that a good description of what user experience is? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, you know, especially since in our platform, we have, um, of, of all of our products, we offer free packages. And so what that means is that it allows the customers to really trial 
our, our software and decide for themselves on their own time, whether it's the best fit for them. And so they go through this discovery process. And by doing that, they're sort of leading themselves through the product and getting themselves set up, um, which is a very different model than, you know, a business that has hundreds of employees and a very complex marketing and sales sort of function, and they need help getting set up on our software. Um, and so very much so. Um, it's a, it's definitely a function of our team. Um, we own that onboarding experience that you just talked about. Um, mm-hmm. And we're always thinking about ways that we can empower customers and users to really get set up on our tools without any kind of human intervention so that they can really have that autonomy and independence to do it themselves and are not reliant on anybody else to help them. Yeah, and it's really giving them ownership of, uh, and, and I guess you you said the keyword empowerment in terms of, you know, really getting deep down into the product that that's offering them, and and ultimately helping them scale and grow as well. Um, one thing when I looked at your career path, Libby, and, and I'm not too sure, <laughs> um, in terms of what the career path is now set out for user experiences, but it looked like that if. Uh, maybe there are courses now and trainings for users, but it seems like that you maybe fell into it, but wasn't really looking towards this, this role. Can you, can you share with us how you got here and, and maybe some difficult decisions that got you into this, into this leadership role? Certainly. You know, I think one thing I have to say about, you know, the whole topic of how people find their way into user experience is that I've I said it before, I, I've come to realize that there really is no typical path for a UX practitioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, for me, that's one of the things I love the most about using working in this space. Um, everyone has such a unique story about how they got into it. And because of that, everyone has such unique backgrounds. And I really value that. And I think it's what makes us uniquely diverse kind of as a practice. But um, personally, you know, I, I took a hard look at my career about 10 years ago. And, you know, I just sort of wanted to package up this collection of what seemed like unrelated skills that mm-hmm. I'd gathered. Um, you know, I'd built a few teams, I had done a stint at a digital agency, I learned how to build websites on WordPress and Drupal. Um, you know, I learned how in very early days how to optimize content for, you know, search rank. Um, I learned a ton about research methodology, um, and then ultimately started actually designing products for a different SaaS company. And through that process, I realized that kind of what tied all of that together is I had a real gift for thinking like customers or thinking like users. And also that that voice was pretty underrepresented in all of the different positions that I'd had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I did a lot of research and, and I realized, wow, there's this thing. It's called user experience. It's right. a practice out there in the world. Um, and, you know, there are jobs and teams for people like me. Um, And so I guess that's kind of my path. Um, And it took a while for me to get there. And I had to remove a lot of fear um, in exploring that. But, you know, you'd asked about some difficult career decisions that I had to make along the way. And I actually... I actually think one of the hardest things wasn't really a decision at all. (laughs) Um, It was going from an individual contributor to a manager um, almost overnight. Um, and that was when I built my first user experience team. And, and that was really, really tough uh, for me. You know, I, I fought through that transition um, 
pretty much overnight, my output changed and how I was measured on success completely changed. You know, instead of being measured on my own work, I was being measured according to the work of my team. And I was in a different peer group. And I think that could that can be a really tough transition for anyone, especially when you don't have support and mentorship. And I really didn't at the time, you know, when I look back, um, you know, I, I think that it was the right decision for me. Uh, it was kind of made for me, but I think it was the right mm-hmm. decision um, because I, I very quickly realized that my gift is helping other people succeed and kind of helping them find individuality um, and, and what their unique strengths are to express their full potential as human beings. So um, I think everything turned out the way that it was meant to, but that was a very hard transition for me. Yeah, hundred percent. And this is, uh, I'm really interested in, in this in terms of transitions. And I guess some of your leaders at that time recognizing that you have this skill set, but maybe you're not being fully um, using up your potential as well. Um, so can you talk to me in terms of sort of that transition into into this trial by fire situation? I guess w- what it is, um, was it because you were very skillful at user experience or you were a, a better communicator? Like what, what do you think happened there? I think I had a vision that no one else had. Mm-hmm. Um, was I the most practiced or seasoned in the field of user experience, design, research? Um, no, not by a long shot. Um, but what I had that I think nobody else did was sort of a vision of how building this team could really positively affect the business. And not only did I have that vision, but I was vocal about it. Okay. Um, You know, I, I, I wasn't afraid to stand up and say, I think this is what we need and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. How big, how big was your team at that time? Small team, um, about seven. And where was this a fairly large organization or because was there a manager of UI at that time or? or No, it it hadn't existed. Um, It hadn't existed at all. Oh, so, so you really, you had to not only become a manager, but also create sort of these, (laughs) I guess this, this new role and new job description. Yes, absolutely. The the full story, what really happened is I was, um, I was a product manager and I had a I had a team that I was running and mm-hmm. we were building this application and um, the things that you know you're supposed to be good at when you're a project or a product manager I didn't really like doing <laughs> and so the things that I really did love doing um, I was kind of doing them on second shift quote unquote um, I was doing them kind of in my spare time which was design and it was doing a lot of discovery work and talking to customers and framing the problem. Um, developing style guides and content guides. Um, and so once I realized that I was really almost doing two full-time jobs and only mm-hmm. one of them I w- was I really passionate about, um, that's when I kind of got up the courage to propose the idea that we needed a team. Um, and so then I was, I was asked to lead that team and build it. Well, that's really cool. And I, I love that it was something that you found as we talked about spare time earlier, um, you were doing this passion, sort of like side hustle, side project in your full-time role, but realizing that 
there's a gap to be filled and being vocal about it. And, and I know in past guests, people who created these roles or created these opportunities was just doing it because it had to be done. Right. Is that a good sense of that? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew what the, back to the vision, I, I could see what the right thing was. And I also knew that if I wasn't vocal about it, nobody else was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, again, it comes down to being that person in the room who's, you know, always thinking about the user and making the user successful. Um, and I, I just saw a tremendous gap in that. And I, I also had a vision for how to fill it. Hey there, small business owners. True Shield can prepare you for the unexpected with the right insurance coverage. For example, phishing. Phishing is a cybercrime that tricks you into revealing sensitive information. Phishing can occur as a phone call, text message, or email. And small businesses, believe it or not, are the target for over half of all email scammers. And the result can be damage to your reputation, data leaks, legal trouble, and the worst, financial loss. TrueShield Cyber Risk Insurance helps protect your small business from certain financial losses, so phishing won't affect your bottom line. Learn more about cyber risk insurance today online at trueshield.ca. For the folks that are listening out there, some may be in these situations where they, they're seeing these gaps, these opportunities, or, or these problems that they need to fix. And the lesson here, what I'm hearing, Libby, is really, if you don't do it, <laughs> no one will. And it looks like it could turn into new opportunities and new roles and new departments that you could be leading and creating something that wasn't there in the past. I wanted to, I guess, talk about your current role here in HubSpot because it's very fascinating for me in, in the community as understanding transitions. And you've been in the role now, I think, about two years or so. And what I'm learning more so is in, in trying to find some best practices of your first hundred days in the role or your first three months. Um, and what did that look like? And because this is not your first leadership role now, but you're coming into a well-known organization, um, perhaps a big, bigger team, maybe one of the bigger organizations that you've led. Um, could you talk about what that transition looked like? <laughs> yeah, happy to. Um, well, my first 100 days felt a lot like a fire hose <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, you know, for one, HubSpot has a pretty complex business. Um, and so it, it takes a while to learn it. Um, and so th- that was one reason that it felt like a fire hose. I think the other reason is, you know, I thought I knew what I was walking into like we all, I think as human beings like to think that we have more control over mm-hmm. situations than we do. And what I walked into and what I actually, what I thought I was walking into and what I actually walked into were two very different things. And I think that's probably my first tip for for anyone starting a job in a fast growing company, um, similar to HubSpot, especially in the tech space, is try to drop your expectations and um, don't be surprised when things change really quickly. So Libby, I just on that point, because I have a feeling you're going to get in more in that tip and expectations. Was that an expectation that you created or was it just through conversations and maybe the job description? 
I, I think it was a combination of, you know, conversations and the job description. You know, when I interviewed here, I it wasn't just an interview. I, I took time before and after I actually came in to meet with the team to do a lot of research on this company. I, I knew HubSpot, um, my the company I had been working for was a customer, and so I knew of it. Um, and it was one of the companies that was on my short list of, of SaaS businesses that I thought would be really interesting to work for at some point in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I, I talked to a lot of people, um, and I thought I did a really thorough discovery process. And, and I think I actually think I did, but you know, the reality is there's just questions that you're never going to be able to ask. And so I think walking into the job, not only did I have some sort of preconceived expectations of what I was walking into just based on that discovery process, but also because the business is growing so quickly, things truly change every single day. And I did not realize that, you know, um, I didn't realize what working in a, in a truly fast paced environment like this is like. And so, you know, in between the day that I accepted the job and my first day, a couple months had gone by and the world was a very different place. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting and it sounds like, you know, this was really your, one of your first. Um, I guess fire hose experiences within a fast growing environment and with with a team and and it's really hard to really understand what you're getting into until you're in there, right? Um, so yeah, go, go on in terms of uh, continuing uh, with regards to your first hundred days or what else you learned and really got you know got comfortable there. Yeah, I think uh, you know a couple other things. Um, my my role changed pretty dramatically in the first hundred days. Um, and I was thrilled for the opportunity to kind of expand my role so quickly, but at the same time that created some unclear expectations for me. And so I think that's another tip that I have. If you find yourself in that position, you know, it's simply just ask for clarity. If you're not sure, you know, realistically, I'm not sure anyone could have answered that question for me. Um, if I'd asked it, but I think if I did, it would have given me much more confidence in just knowing that operating kind of out of instinct was okay. In fact, that was what was expected of me. And then, you know, I think another thing was I went from within that role transition, I went from managing a, a small team of four or five to then managing a team of 15 and then 20 and then 30 <laughs> very quickly. And that, caused me to have to be extremely adaptable. And in that, I, I did make some mistakes and I learned a lot along the way. But one of the things that I, I wish I had done differently is I tried to fix all of the things, all of the problems at once at the same time. And looking back, I wish I'd identified you know three or four of the highest leverage things and structured my time and energy around those things. Um, instead of letting kind of my time and my calendar happen to me. Right. And and some of these challenges or problems, were they related specifically to management, technology? Um, do you have any examples? Just just for us to weigh out situations that you're you're getting through. You know, almost entirely related to the pace at which we are adding um, new team members to the I team. See. And, and the reason that we were doing that was to respond to the business's um, need to grow 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that be, the business growing is a direct function of, you know, responding to customer feedback and customer needs. You know, when, when you're in, when you're in that kind of revolving door, it's really almost impossible to slow down time. And so you're, you're forced to really, really deeply evaluate your priorities and, and narrow your focus on a few small things. So was it a case of seeing everything that needs to be done and maybe saying yes to everything? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm very much a yes person. I, I am a people pleaser. I, I try to quiet that down <laughs> whenever it's possible. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning how to do that well. But yeah, you know, I mean, you step into a new scenario and, you know, you're you're a leader and you see things that should be improved or should be fixed or that are harder than they should be. And I think it's just natural to want to charge at all of them at once. Um, and I think what I'm saying is that, you know, that's really important. It's important to see a vision for how a team could be stronger or operating better. Uh, at the same time, it's pretty unrealistic for that amount of change to happen all at once. Yeah. And it's probably not even fair to yourself personally to no. to, to expect yourself to do that because it could be a, a downward spiral, especially when we're all trying to just do good for the role that we're in and ultimately the business that we're, we're leading. Um, I wanted to talk about and really get your thoughts as you're um, a woman leader within technology and what your thoughts are as it sounds like you're building, growing an organization under you and how you are finding, building and keeping a diverse team under you. Yeah, this, this is definitely one of the things that I'm most passionate about. Um, you know, I think the first the first thing is I've always valued differences in people, you know, those things that make each one of us unique. And this goes back to even um, when I was growing up, I remember my mom always talked about, you know, people who came from very different backgrounds or had different education. She'd always make a point to say, you know, wow, look at that person down the street. They, they know things that we don't know. They know things that no one else does. Isn't that neat? Um, and so I think for me, building a diverse team is sort of a no brainer. It's just the function of the way I view life. Um, and it's also really core to my, my purpose. I've spent a lot of time developing, um, those unique things that people bring to the table. But as I look at growing the team at HubSpot, my value of individuality is even more important because I believe building a diverse team is how we mirror the diversity of our customer population. And so we reach users in more than a hundred countries at HubSpot in all kinds of industries. So you can just imagine the diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is where I think um, I see a lot of tech leaders kind of get stuck on diversity and team building. I think they know they should do it, but they're not necessarily sure why it's important. And so I think to truly build a diverse team, you really need everybody bought in and doing that requires telling them why they should be invested in it. And so I think a lot of us are missing the why behind that. that, Yeah, no, amazing. And I really love the example that your mother had in terms of just questioning and pointing out that I wonder that person knows something I don't like that. I never even thought of that even in terms of like me being a father with my daughter, even to just mention stuff like that. that that's a really great example in terms of um, just thinking about diversity and understanding 
people have different backgrounds that are totally different from what we have and sometimes we're just stuck in our own little world, right? That's such an amazing example. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. So I was just going to ask you um, a couple of questions and, and really short ones just to get uh, just to get things rolling in terms of uh, who helped you get here. Can you name someone who provided key advice, mentorship to you to help you grow? Because I know understanding that when you did your trial by fire as a manager, you didn't have a mentor at that time. So, I mean, has there anyone appeared in your life that really helped you improve your leadership style? Definitely. Um, as a female leader, you know, I'm, I'm exceptionally drawn to other strong women who have forged their own path. You know, I talked about how I really, you know, like mentoring other young women um, and sharing the lessons that I've learned with them. And um, somebody who's done that for me is a woman named Tracy Fenton. She owns her own company called World Blue. And her company is a lot like HubSpot in that it's centered around a philosophy. Um, and the philosophy is creating workplaces where employees are empowered to be autonomous and work without fear. Um, and then her company offers training and coaching and resources for leaders who want to build those kind of freedom-centered environments. Um, and so she's taught me a lot about the value of developing a purpose and then aligning that to my leadership style. And so, you know, she she has taught me so much about, you know, being a female leader in the tech space among what feels like sometimes a sea of, of men. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been really grateful to work with her. Wow, that's amazing. Anything that you're reading at the moment? You know, right now I'm doing a lot of rereading <laughs> since graduate school. Um, I, it feels like kind of my re-entry into um, non-academic books. But one read right now that it's, that's been very helpful is Ben Horowitz's The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what I love about this book is that even though it's kind of written from the, you know, how, how to run a tech startup as a CEO, there's so many parallels to my work because, you know, it feels like I'm the CEO of a team um, that feels a lot like a startup. Um, so I think there's just so many parallels about constant adaptation and change and they're not really being a map or sort of the right prescriptive way to build and run a team. And so... Um, I'm really appreciating his reflections on scaling an organization. Yeah, great book. And it's a really popular book in terms of the business leaders I've had on the show, especially when they're coming from the tech world, uh, whether they're the founder or not. Fun question. I guess it's a fun question for me, but if I were to ask any of your team members, past, present, what's the best leadership quality that Libby has? What do you think they would say? You know, people tell me all the time that I'm a, I'm a good listener. And it's something that I've pushed myself to really improve over time. And I think one of the things I value about it so much is that I think listening is actually undervalued in terms of a leadership quality. You know, we spend all this time finding good talent and building strong teams. And I guess I believe we should work to amplify their voices instead of us being the loudest people in the room all the time. So, you know, I've seen that quality build a foundation of trust that really allows my teams to reach their full potential. And so um, I really, I really, I really value listening, being a good listener. Oh, that's great. What else is going on in your world, Libby, um, whether it's at work or personal? I mean, obviously, congratulations on finishing graduate school, but are there any other special projects, initiatives, or anything fun that you're super excited about right now? 
You know, one fun, super exciting thing is um, I'm gearing up to speak at a conference called Grace Hopper in a couple weeks. Um, mm -hmm. So that's an awesome conference celebrating contributions of female leaders in the tech industry. And I'm going to be speaking about our team's journey um, to build a diverse and inclusive team. So um, putting that that content together right now, and I'm really excited to share it with uh, the folks attending. Well, amazing. And definitely loop back when it's done. And if there's anything that we could share um, on the episode website, that would be, that would be great. Um, thank you. And before we end, um, Libby, do you have any final thoughts, observations? Ideally, what we're looking to share is actionable items for those who are listening today um, and are looking maybe to grow in their role or within a business leadership position. I, th I think one of the most important things um, is is something that I said earlier. You know, I I don't necessarily believe that a linear career path is always attainable or even desirable. And I would say for anybody who identifies with that, with what I'm saying, you know, dial into the skills that you've gained over time and put work into figuring out how to package them up into a story that really showcases your unique abilities and qualities. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of power in being able to tell your own personal story, even if it hasn't been perfect. That's great. And to close, Libby, can you tell us where we can find more information about you, HubSpot, or anything else you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Libby M. Maurer. Um, and for more information about HubSpot, especially HubSpot careers, you can go to HubSpot.com slash jobs. Awesome. Libby, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Edwin. That's it, biz leaders. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode number 129 with Libby Maurer. If you want to learn more about Libby, HubSpot, or anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 129. That will take you directly to the episode page. Join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode. I'll answer your questions and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. Once again, thank you for today's sponsored True Shield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Okay.